The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that raid Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 446, coming to you on Monday, September 19th. We're going to look back at USC's 45-17 win over the Fresno State Bulldogs at the Coliseum. Take your questions and so much more here on this episode as always, feel free to follow us on social media. We're at Reign of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. You, su- you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our email address is reignoftroy at fansided.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelCastFS. And of course, I'm joining along with my wonderful co-host at Penguin of Troy on Twitter, Alicia Deratol. Hello, everybody. Hello, uh, we are back for the Fallout episode. Um, I'm pumped because this is probably the first time in a while that we had this rundown like completely all nailed out on Sunday, a little inside baseball. You, you say we, but it was all you. I didn't, I, I mean, this is true. a lot of times what happens is you'll start the rundown and then on Monday you're like, hey, can you, can you go in there and sort of, um, you know, finish it up or whatever. And I sit down on Monday and it's like, Rundown's done. I'm like, oh, sweet. I don't have to. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to like go scramble to grab over unders or anything like that. It's sweet. Yeah, we're all good to go, and uh, everyone here in the chat is good to go. Uh, big shout out to everybody. Uh, Kai Bauer says, as a TMB alumnus, I truly appreciate y'all using the Reign of Troy song for the opening and closing of your podcast. Well, of course, we appreciate the band for providing that to us. Huge, huge, huge shout outs to the band. When we learned, and we've explained this on the previous podcast, but if you're a new listener, when we learned that there was a song called Reign of Troy that the band performs, we were like, we got to have it. And so we reached out to the band for a recording and they were extremely gracious to give us the, the, um, to, to allow us to use the recording. And quite frankly, like, if the, I still think that we didn't give them back enough in terms of, of the uh, promotion that, that we should we could and we would be willing to do for them at any point in the future. So band people, if you're listening, like we are your show. If you need anything out there, reach out to us because we are eternally grateful. It's so awesome that we get to use that um, for the show. And, and it just it just fits beautifully. Cooler band moment having the band. Um, play Reign of Troy for us in the, in the opening or at the wedding? 
Oh, uh, band, kind of a toss up. Band at the wedding, though. <laughs> band at the wedding. I still get. I still have family good. talking about how like that was the coolest thing ever, and it's like, and I don't know. For me, it was surreal. It was surreal more than anything. But like, I had seen videos of the band performing at weddings, so like, I knew that they did it. I had seen the set. Um, it was just like, oh my gosh, they're right here. They're like standing right here. <laughs> But for so many people in my family, they were like, we didn't even know that like people did this. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. And it's like, yeah, that's yeah, that was awesome. Go yeah. band. We're we're big, big band fans over here. Uh, shout outs to all of our listeners who were in the USC band. Um, you There's are a bunch of them. Yeah. You are appreciated and loved. And uh, yeah, long live TMB. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we got Brandon from Indiana in the middle of Notre Dame territory. Sadly, fight on uh, in the chat. Thank Brandon, you. But Welcome. Strut your stuff right now, though. Like strut your stuff while you can. They're they're not going to talk to you. They're not. They're, <laughs> they can't say they can't say crap right now. Strut. Yeah. There you go. Uh, how how is it going on in your, in your alumni chat? <laughs> my non alumni chat. <laughs> uh, my, my my the 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 text chain that I have with my brother where he sends me TikToks of college football stuff. And I say, yeah, I wrote about that last night. <laughs> um, it, it, that counts. it counts. Yeah. It counts. Yeah. Uh, of course, if you're, if you're new to the show, Alicia famously a Notre Dame alumnus. Yeah. Same thing. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> SC had a big win over Fresno state on Saturday, 45, 17, uh, let's just get right into talking about uh, both the game and the news. We will start, of course, with the news. Uh, it has to go, it has to begin uh, any news talk with the polls. USC now number seven, a consensus number seven in the polls, number seven in the AP. They move up one spot from number eight last week to number seven this week in the coaches. And you know, we were talking about Jeff Sagarin last week. Uh, maybe it's too early to look at things like Jeff Sagarin and uh, SP Plus. We'll look at probably more in when we get to October. Jeff Sagarin has SC at number seven. Everyone oh. has triple seven. Yeah, triple seven. Triple sevens. Could it be a lucky week for USC? Hey, rhymed. That's a. <laughs> I did that not on purpose. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the, the last week was uh, this last weekend was. Not a lot of movement. Everybody in front of USC did what they needed to do. The The real trip-ups were uh, behind USC, so it really didn't impact. I told you as soon as the rankings came out, the only sort of little movement that I see is just the number totals between USC and Oklahoma are creeping up closer and closer to Clemson every week. Yeah. So, um, you know, Clemson's got some big games coming up. Wake Forest this week on the road. Yeah, USC has to keep taking care of business here. So the rankings are are going to reflect what USC has done more than anything. Um, eventually, teams in front of USC will lose. USC just has to make sure that they're not included in those losses right. uh, because that's going to be the only thing that stops them from rising up the rankings. Yeah, 100%. Um, number seven, a good spot for SC to be at now. We'll obviously see how things progress going forward. Uh, let's talk about, uh, the upcoming game on USC schedule, uh, of course is Oregon state, but the one after that, and we'll talk about Oregon state later this week on Wednesday in our preview show talking about the beeves. But after that next week, it is Arizona state. 
Uh, the Sun Devils come into the Coliseum without their head coach, Herm Edwards, who is finally, finally, mercifully sacked after a embarrassing loss to Eastern Michigan. Yeah, Eastern. Not even Western Michigan. Eastern, Eastern. Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, like you said, long time coming for Herm. But the news uh, about ASU next week coming to the Coliseum the game will kick off at 7.30 p.m. on ESPN. Uh, of course, we talked about it last week with this upcoming week's game against Oregon State being on the Pac-12 network and, and USC having to play three games on the Pac-12 network. ASU, a possibility of the, to be the third, but of course, it'll be on ESPN next week with, with, without Herm Edwards, of course. Late night kick. I know people hate those, but I love a 7.30 kick. I love a 7.30 kick at the Coliseum. I've got to say, uh, we didn't get to talk about it on the CarCast, really, because we were so focused on the game. But everybody I know who went to that game, my parents went to that game. Uh, they they was their first game in a long time. My dad had been in 2006 with me. My mom had been in 2000 with the family. They had not seen the Col- the Coliseum transform. They had not seen the the new game day experience, and it it is really really cool to see USC doing game day experience stuff, turning out the lights, having flashing lights for touchdowns. Uh, just the the whole nine yards. It's uh, it's really fun. I hope that everyone who gets out there for that game gets to have a lot of fun because uh, to me, a seven thirty kick is ideal. Again, don't have kids. Everyone I know who doesn't ha- who doesn't like the seven thirty kicks is always about the kids. So I get it. Different stages of life for sure. It, it's a weekend. It, it's a weekend. It, yeah. It's not a seven thirty on a Tuesday night. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think I think it's a great great time for SC. Uh, and ASU, of course, ASU without their head coach. We talked about Herm Edwards getting fired finally, mercifully, after the loss to Eastern Michigan. Uh, and I, I have to imagine, you know, looking at USC's schedule, you, you, you kind of look at the, the games that SC has the biggest um, advantage in. It's got to be ASU and Colorado right now, like those two games especially. Oh, yes, because Colorado there, is... ASU is on big quit watch, right? Huge quit watch. Yes. And this is what's going to be really interesting from an ASU perspective. We saw Nebraska, like I was hoping that Nebraska would come out and sort of be galvanized with with an interim head coach and see what they can do against Oklahoma. Big old dud. So ASU has that chance opportunity with, with Utah as well. Do they have it in them to pull something off? You're shaking your head. No. I tend to agree. I, I don't know. I think this is a completely different this, situation. This ASU team has lost so much to the transfer portal. They've lost so much brain drain because of coaching problems, because of uh, sanctions and all this kind of stuff. Like that program is a mess. And so if they were to fight back and suddenly be dangerous, I would be quite stunned. So, it, yeah. It, this, I, uh, I, I will put it this way. I First of all, I think, uh, Lincoln Riley, um, Jonathan Smith, um, maybe Kalen DeBoer, uh, the, the new Washington state coach, um, whose name escapes me at the moment. Those four probably pick your poison for who wins coach of the year. However, if ASU is competent at the end of the year, the interim needs to be on that list too. Oh, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's not going to happen, but it would be remarkable if it did. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a Jag that's plus a, puts the SC could drop 70 plus on, on Arizona state. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's, 
there's two games, especially where I think SC is in like 70, 70 to seven territory and it's ASU and Colorado. Did, did we talk about this on the car cast? I remember talking about it at some point, but like the feeling of going into those games. Now, obviously Oregon state is a different question. It's a going to be a very difficult game, but if USC makes it through Oregon state, you look at those two games yeah, I, and suddenly you're looking at games where it's like, yeah, you those are two easy games. USC gets through them easily. Well, They're undefeated I, going into Utah. I when you and I talked about that for some reason, I was thinking the Colorado game was after ASU. Colorado is later on. Is November. it Washington State? It's Washington State. Oh, okay, yeah. so it's a so little it's bit more ASU tricky. and Washington State. Washington State has a pulse. Yeah, um, but a- ASU um, is the team after the Oregon State game, so that's sort of your your relaxation. Your you're not quite a bye week um, is the ASU game. Um, man, this is going to really age poorly if things go haywire. Yeah. But uh, I don't expect them to. But at the same time, like when we when we came into this season and certainly coming into previous seasons, you would look at like ASU and, you know, Colorado back before they made the dumb decision to hire Carl Durrell and, and all of these things. And you would look at them and go like, those aren't good teams. But yeah. That doesn't mean USC couldn't get tripped up by those teams. Like it could happen. This year, I think I'm going into those games, ASU and Col- and and Colorado, and just saying, no. The it's it's the way you would go into like the Washington State game when when USC would play them during the Pete Carroll era. It's like yeah, easy. I I, I think SC is you know prone to a slip up because I think every team is prone to a slip up. Yes, but it's not going to be against ASU or Colorado. No. Yeah, I agree. We definitely agree uh, together on that. Uh, let, let's talk about the the um, the SC Fresno State game in a little bit of different terms. I want to talk about some stats. Uh, I, I've been looking into the numbers on a bunch of things, uh, and, and I one of the things that when I started with Rain of Troy back like ten years ago, uh, I used to love going on Sundays and having like a a thread or at that time they weren't even threads uh, on Twitter where I would just like, yeah, like a tweet storm and potentially go into, to Twitter jail for it where I would just tweet a whole bunch of stats like, Oh, so-and-so is uh, this in the country and this and blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. Well, I kind of want to get back into doing that and making it a part of the fallout episode. I, I think it would be a little bit of fun and, Part of the way that I want to do this is throwing out three questions to you and to everyone in the chat on YouTube. So if you're watching us live on YouTube, get ready because I want want you to interact here. Give me your answers. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or, or Spotify or wherever, be sure to send in your answers too, even though I'll give you the answers in, in a couple and minutes. speak them out loud. Yeah, to speak the room. them out, out loud. Yeah. You're at the gym. Yeah. Shout it out loud. No one's going to think you're weird. No, not at all. All right. First question. When was the last time a USC starting quarterback had three straight starts with no interceptions? When was the last time a starting quarterback at USC had three straight starts with no interceptions? Caleb Williams obviously has done that in the first three starts of his USC career. Um, That's the first question. So, Throw in your answers in the the YouTube chat. Uh, Alicia, I want you to think about it. That's the first question. The last starting quarterback to have three straight starts with no interceptions. All right. That's the first question. Don't don't answer yet. Okay. Got it. Question number two. 
How many times this season, so far through three games, has Travis Dye rushed the ball on third down? How many times has Travis Dye run the ball on third down? You with your third down stuff, though, because now you've already ingrained in me that they don't. I'm not they saying don't, anything. I'm not saying they anything. don't have it's, enough third downs for this to be a large number. <laughs> how, how, how many how many third down rushes has Travis Dye had this season? It's question number two. Okay. All right. And question number three. Question number three. In honor of Ma- Malcolm Epps and his breakout 2A performance with an interception and a touchdown against Fresno State, how many times did Adoree Jackson score a touchdown in the same game in which he had an interception. How many times did Adoree Jackson score a touchdown the same game he had an interception? How many, how many times did he do that? Those are the three questions. First one, last quarterback uh, to have three straight starts with no interceptions. Second question, how many Travis Dye runs on third down this year so far? And last one, how many times did Adoree have a pick and a TD in the same game? All right. Okay. If, throw throw it in the chat, everybody. Throw it in the chat. I've seen a you, lot of answers. You, yes, a bunch of, uh, of answers. Uh, Alicia, this is time for you to give me the answer so I can tell, tell me, everybody. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so the last starting quarterback with three straight starts with no interceptions. I don't think it was Slovis. Definitely wasn't Dart. Definitely wasn't Darnold. Um, definitely wasn't Daniels. I am thinking. <coughs> excuse me. I'm thinking Cody Kessler. You're gonna go. We're gonna go way back to Cody Kessler. <coughs> Sorry. There, there were a couple, a bunch of Cody Kessler guesses in the chat. Uh, that would be incorrect. The correct answer is Keaton Slovis. Was it Keaton? Keaton Slovis. His final three games of 2019 mm. against Cal, UCLA, and Iowa in the Holiday Bowl. Uh, of course, the Holiday Bowl, he does leave in the third quarter due to injury. Right. Ironically, um, and I d- wouldn't count this one especially, he also did it three games in a row earlier that season. Utah, Notre Dame, and Arizona, of course, the Utah game, he left after two plays. So, like, that doesn't count. <laughs> that definitely I will give count. him the Iowa game because he was in that game for most of the game. Uh, he did leave out. He did leave hurt. So we can make the cat. You can make the argument. Well, it weren't, wasn't three complete games, but even still beyond that. Yeah. You have to, I, I think Kessler has done it before too, but like you had to go. It, Darnold wasn't doing this all the time. Like this, it, it was a difficult, you know, sat to pull up, but Slovis actually did it. There you go. Yeah. So good job to everyone in the chat who said Slovis. Good job to everyone at the gym who said Keaton Slovis out into the, <laughs> out into the Yeah, Ross H. said Slovis in 2019, question yeah. mark. There you go. Yeah. Uh, there was another Slovis. I have to scroll up and there's so many people. Josh uh, Josh Arena says he, he said he, Slovis. Yeah, he, he, he did. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, how many times has Travis Dye run the ball on third down this year? I'm going to guess something stupid like two. Maybe something small like two two you say yes and that's just because i think austin jones has gotten third down carries they haven't had a lot of third downs to have did did you you like hack into this no because it's two hey oh travis dies rest of the ball third down two times uh shout out to sj who, who said two jag plus said two times uh twice he's one for two 
uh, on third down conversions, he, he had a third and short and ran for eight yards and then 11 yards on that third and forever against Stanford. The one where he just kept pushing and pushing and pushing in the pile that was on a, on a third down run. So yeah, I was amazed because I think of Travis Dye as being a third down back and someone who's going to be up there along the line of scrimmage. Um, and you know, in, at the goal line and all that stuff, that's how he was used at Oregon, especially that's not how he's been used so far at, at SC. Um, and the crazy part is SC success on the ground has been on first and second down first down, especially USC's two tailbacks, uh, the starting tailbacks, Travis Dye and Austin Jones are averaging 9.48 yards per carry on first down. First down. That is such a transformation, 9.48 too. 9.48 yards per carry on first down. They've combined for 294 rushing yards on 31 carries on first down alone. That That is how you can have an efficient, efficient offense. Because I remember looking back through games, game film, doing the, 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 um, the podcast that I was doing, the review, the, what did, what did we call it? The review, the, the review show, whatever it was. Carcast? No, no, no. Where I would like sit down and like chart the game and like go through it. For oh, the you're, um, uh, what were those called? What was it called? It had a name. I, <laughs> Rewinds? Something like that. Um, back to the shout out to the old Patreon days. Yeah. Shout yeah. out to the old Patreon days. But uh, rewatch, rewatch. Yeah, the rewatch. And I remember like going through that going like, why did USC's drive stall? Because on first down, they had a stuffed run that set them back on second down. Then they tried to pass on second down and it was incomplete. And then they were in third and long. Like that happened so often to be able to turn around and now have a rushing game that you can rely on to set you up with second and manageable. It it really, really, really makes life so much easier for an offense. Yeah. This offense, the difference between this offense and, and previous iterations of the USC offenses, they make life easier for themselves rather than everything at max difficulty. Yeah, 100%. Uh, absolutely. Uh, the, the last stat question here that we talked about, uh, in honor of Malcolm Epps and his two uh, two-way performance with an interception and an INT, how many times did Dory Jackson do that. Your guess, Alicia? I'm going to say one because I can only confirm in my head one. It was Notre Dame where he returns the kick, and I think he returns a touchdown because he gets a, a kick return touchdown. I want to say he gets an interception return touchdown and like a punt return touchdown. I can't remember. That part is all correct, but he did not have an interception that game. He didn't have an interception that game. No. Oh, well, shoot. Then I'm okay. Wait, was it the? Did he have an interception in the Holiday Bowl? Uh, I don't. I, I don't have it right in front of me. But so you. I'm still gonna go with one because with I one? think okay. because here's the thing: Adori didn't have an interception until the Cal game of his sophomore year. So like he wasn't having interceptions all the time. By the time he started getting more interceptions, he was not um, playing on offense as often. So I think it was still one. Exactly. That's the thing. Um, Adori was a offensive player in in his freshman season, uh, and then he did not become an offensive player again until basically his last two games um, of his SC career against Notre Dame and then in the Rose Bowl against Penn State. So that kind of alters things because he had touchdowns early on in his career on offense, but not. But he wasn't 
he didn't have interceptions at that point. But the only time interception. he did, the only time he did it together was that cow because it was a pick six. The oh, his first interception was a pick six. Yes, at cow. Yeah, yeah. Twenty fifteen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, the, so I, one time, one time he and Malcolm Epps have both done it once. What an incredible stat you pulled there that like, no, I, I have a better stat by the way okay. that, that I, I'm saving, but okay. go, go ahead. What, what, what a better stat I pulled there. What, what were you going to say? No, I just, I just think it's hilarious that like, I would love to know the numbers of players in USC history who have had an interception and an offensive touchdown in a game. And I think I would guess it's, it's those two guys. It's, yeah, it's them. The, uh, I, Keyshawn Johnson if, and, if, if and Marquise Lee were guys who played. I want to say Juju got a, got but a, they never got interceptions. No, they they didn't get interceptions. But I, I think that they've played on the the on defense on the Hail Mary team before. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just think it, like that would be in like if if there's more than Malcolm Epps, it's, it's not more than one. Because we know Adoree didn't do it because he didn't have an interception in a game that he scored a touchdown. Yeah. Now, mind Except you, I think if Adoree time, was used on offense as much as he was as a freshman oh, throughout easily. his whole career, he would have done this like three or four times. Oh, yes. Yeah. But but again, he wasn't. In the, and I knew he didn't have an interception as yeah. a freshman. So. That, that's the thing about Adoree is like he was a two-way player, but he really was never really used as one. Yeah. Uh, I guess as a freshman, but like that was the only time he was really used as the two-way guy. After that, he was a defensive player who is used as a, like a gadget option rarely. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. The, the other stat I wanted to read that, that I put together here, uh, this is just insane to me. Okay. Of course, SC has gone three games this year so far with no turnovers, right? Uh, only three teams in America have had three turnover free games through three games. USC, Syracuse, and the number one team in the country, Georgia. What a weird good company, trio. good company to be with, right? <laughs> but here's the crazy thing: USC's three turnover-free games in the first three games of the Lincoln Riley era match the number of times they went turnover-free in the entirety of the 2009, 2010, 2011, and 2012 seasons combined. Yeesh. 51 games. It's a 51 game stretch from 2009 to 2012, uh, aka Matt Barkley's career. Yeah. Throughout Matt Barkley's career, SC had three turn- turnover free games uh, from 2009 to 2012. Now, the crazy part was I was wanting to, to line this up as saying that uh, Lincoln Riley's three turnover free games, like, Turnover free games at USC, Lincoln Riley and Lane Kiffin are equal. It's not the case because uh, early in 2013, the following year after that streak, um, Lane Kiffin got one uh, before he was fired. But so, um, so USC he's at four. Get to four. If SC does Kiffin. not turn over the ball on Saturday, then Lincoln Riley will have tied Lane Kiffin's uh, turnover free mark of four. Dude, and that's and that's an underrated thing that we did talk about on the car cast, but the ability to not turn the ball over, it really does make your team that much better. Like I think it's telling here that Syracuse is in that three because Syracuse is having a surprisingly good start to the year. And when you hear that they've had no turnovers, that helps explain a lot. Now it's not the only thing because obviously we talked last week about Fresno state having no turnovers yet 
in the season and and they were still, you know, they still had a loss and everything. So it, you can still lose even though you don't turn the ball over. But your ability to win games, this was something Pete Carroll harped on all the time, your ability to win games does depend heavily on your turnover margin. And we are seeing that happen with USC right now. The the reason USC is in as such a good position as they are three games into the season is because they have a plus 10 turnover margin. Well, the whole Pete Carroll era was that it was it was always um, turnover margin was was the big thing that yeah. that they dominated, and uh, SC's doing that again right now, and that that definitely helps things. Um, last stat I wanted to two two more stats I wanted to read back on the rushing side of things. Um, USC has twenty five gains of ten plus yards on the ground. Twenty five. That's more than they had in the COVID nineteen shortened season of twenty twenty. They had 18 and six games. Uh, it's also 20, the 25 this year. It's just four fewer than Air Force, who's the nation's best rushing team. It's crazy. Who, like They rush on like every single play, and SC already has four fewer 10-yard games than them. Because so much of the attention, I think, on this offense, rightfully so, is, oh, my gosh, look at that quarterback. Oh, my gosh, look at those receivers. Yeah. But the rushing attack has been such a strong foundation for this team. Mm -hmm. And Caleb plays a role in that, to be sure. And having the receivers that USC does has to play a role in it because defenses have to stay honest uh, with those guys. But like the job that Austin Jones and Travis Dye and especially that 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 uh, offensive line has done to get this running game going, I I'm going to be honest, I expected USC's offense to be vastly improved this year. I did not expect the utter and complete transformation of the run game that we have oh. seen. I knew that Lincoln Riley was a much more effective rushing offensive coordinator than USC has had in years, but like it's it's really impressive the way that things have changed. I, I have a hot take. I, I'm not surprised because I don't think it needed to be. Like I think this was such a matter of SC not taking advantage of box counts. Oh my gosh, and, yes. And just the simple things like that because the times uh, I have yelled, uh, Michael. A lot the, of the number of runs, times on the rewatch, the rewatch, old time Patreon people can tell you the number of times I screamed. It was a four man box. They were begging USC to run and they didn't run. They were begging USC to run and they didn't run. Sorry, go on. I didn't interrupt you. <laughs> no, you're good. Go for it. The, yeah, the, I think that's part of it. The taking advantage of box counts. Uh, number two is that um, so many of these are, are RPOs, and I think that there is, I think the RPO game can be more effective when you have a quarterback who is willing to run like Caleb Williams because he can kind of pull one. Um, and we've seen that. We've seen it on, we saw it on fourth down a couple of times mm -hmm. uh, against Fresno State. And that just adds an extra element where you have to be prepared for those kind of things. So, just like I don't think there were that many changes that SC had to make in the run game um, to really get those sort of things going. And the crazy well, thing uh, is if they would have done those things, if they were taking advantage of box counts and uh, if they would have allowed Slovis to keep the ball more uh, under Graham Harrell, uh, we know that Slovis doesn't have stone feet like he can move. That wasn't his problem. His problem was not it was never that he couldn't move. The, the problem was that sometimes he just stayed in the pocket a little bit too long, right? Yeah. If he if he had the wherewithal to like keep a couple of those, I think that drastically changes things. And then you prevent teams from dropping eight and all that stuff because 
that's how you avoid. And then if they are going to drop eight, then just run down their throat. Well, and that, and that really was the frustrating thing in the past is teams would beg USC to, to run and USC would choose not to run. Because they choose they not, not to, to run. run. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, then, and then there was always the, the whole like when they were going to run, everybody in the stadium knew it. So yeah. that's not the case anymore. And what a difference it makes. Yeah, 100%. Uh, all right, let's get to the over-under because we got a bunch of over-unders to talk about and we teased it in the car cast about how close the over-unders Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. Going into this week, you had a lead on me, a three-game lead. You're 11 and 7. I'm 8 and 10 going to the over-under. I need a big, big, big week uh, in these over-unders. That's what I needed. Let's see if I got it. First one. Uh, you said over-under 66.6%. USC red zone scoring defense, a.k.a. Fresno State's red zone offense. 64% of the Rotbots took the over. You took the under. I took the over, locked you into the under. It was under. Fresno State only scored on one of four trips to the red zone, 25%. Color me stunned because early in that game. It never felt that bad, right? Early in that game, I looked at you and I was like, man, I was an idiot. I really should have set that that over under on red zone touchdowns, not scoring, because like this, this is just going to be easy. Like it's it's not even going to be a question. And I don't think they scored in the red zone again. And and you and I had a conversation like, how are they judging red zone? Because I'm still slightly confused about how they sort of came to this one of four determination. Well, uh, I, I mean, part of it was the last two drives are downs. And then there's a missed field goal. So the the last three drives, um, they they don't get anything, um, and they're all scoring opportunities. So that that helps. Like the last yeah. play of the game helps in in that. Yes, sense. absolutely, because it's a red zone stop. Yeah, yeah. M- mind you, even if they score, it would have been fifty percent, which would have still, still been the would under. Have been my under. Yeah. Uh, next one, one and a half. I said one and a half. Fresno State turnovers. Neither USC or Fresno State had committed a turnover in the first two games. Game number three, Saturday night. You took the under. 
I get locked in for the over. 65% of the Rotbots took the over. It was over. It was two. Um, and we talked about this before. An unlucky two because oh. I, I, I'm, I seriously don't think that Hail Mary pick should count. Yeah, Malcolm, Ep- Malcolm Epps really... Uh, I mean, I want Malcolm Epps to get that stat because it's awesome. Because he's awesome. But, but like, it's an unlucky one for, on a for Jake Hayner, right? Especially a halftime Hail Mary. Like, yeah, a Hail like, Mary at the end of the game that could win the game. Like, right. that's a whole different play. Yeah. But, like, a halftime Hail Mary... That's that's rough. That's it's rough. rough, but it's great for me because I got the over, you baby. Did. You did. Yeah. So I got the over there. Uh, and so did 65% of the Rockbots. Uh, next one, you set the line three and a half USC sacks. SC had four against Rice, five against Stanford. Once again, they had five. I took the under on that. You get the over along with 53% of the Rockbots. Dude, have you seen the stats on... USC sack totals. It's really good. Yeah. It's like, it's funny to me because I would still tell you that USC's pass rush needs to be more effective. There's only and one team with more sacks. They are tied for second in the country with 14 sacks through three games. Yeah. Arkansas has 17. They're the only one with more. Like, that's crazy. And SC has one more than Oklahoma. Yeah. So uh, remember, load load remember up your, your your Twitter drafts, folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you get uh, if you get a wild one this week, just remember that uh, SC has one more sack than the Sooners, and you can always uh, throw that in there uh, as well. Uh, next one, I said one hundred and sixty five point five rushing yards for the Fresno State Bulldogs. You said over. I get locked into the under. 55% of the Rotbot said over. Alicia, two things. One, thank God for sacks. And two, thank God for this line. It was 164. 164, which is under, so I get the point. And you know what happened at the end of the game? At the end of the game, we're we'll watching State it, and you're, you're like doing the math. You're like, I don't think they can mathematically like, get it. Yeah, they didn't have enough yards on the field to get over 165. Even if they had gotten into the end zone, they would have needed to score and then get the ball back and then run to get more rushing yards in order to take this over, which is wild because if you and I hadn't had that conversation at the end of that game, I certainly wouldn't have thought, that I had missed on this one. I would have assumed that we had, that I'd I'd gotten the over because Fresno state ran the ball so effectively. And yet. Well, they, they, they held them. It's the, it's the beautiful quirk of college football statistics and Mm -hmm. sacks working against rushing yards because folks, uh, if you take out the uh, stack adjusted rushing yards, Fresno state had 193, but that's not how we keep the stats. See, and this is, and I I hate the way we keep the stats. (laughs) There's just going to be a rant about how we keep stats. They shouldn't count Hail Mary interceptions. Uh, they shouldn't count interceptions that come off the receiver's hands. I, I think interceptions and should be like runs in baseball, earned and unearned. Sack yardage should come off of passing yards because those are passing plays. And mm-hmm. if you get tackled for loss, then you're taking it from rushing. If you get a sack, it's not those. It wasn't rushing. Rushing yards weren't at stake. I, I, I think that it should be team passing yards, but not individual passing yards. Yeah, but I mean, again, yeah. this is nitpicky. <laughs> I know. That's uh, us redesigning, yeah, redesigning the... college football stats because of our over-under game. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next one. You said, oh, th- this is one of the biggest weird things of all time. You said over under uh, 45.5 points for USC. That was the line that you set. I took the under, which is great for me because I locked you into the over. And your guess for the game was 44 points. So you would have taken the under two, apparently. Um, and I took the under, and SC scored exactly 45. You, the line was at 45 and a half. Okay. It was great. The frustrating thing is I I waffled between am I going to set it at 40, 41, 42, <laughs> 43, 44, 45. And I just stuck with 45 because I was like, I want to bait him into taking this under. I want to bait him oh, into I taking this it. under. I and took you it. took it. And I, it was, oh, right. Ugh. 73% of the robots took the over. So a lot of people believed for sure. Uh, next one, over, under, nine and a half, third down attempts. I set the line for this because SC had had two straight games under double digits. Nine and a half third down attempts for USC. You took the over. Uh, it locks me into the under. 57% took the over, and it was over. It was 12. This is one of the things where early on in the game, SC got this because those first three drives were so methodical. Yeah. They kept having to go to third and fourth down. Yeah, yeah. And then that was that was a godsend for me on the over-under picks. Uh, it was also really nice to see what US, how USC would respond in situations where they were in third down situations. Could they convert third downs? Because that's a, a skill that you need to have. And they didn't always convert them, but they converted fourth down. So, you know, two downs to get the yards that you need. And, and you can trust that USC can pretty much get it done. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Eddie in the in the chat, by the way, says, uh, but would you count scramble yards as rushing? Can't have it both ways. Yeah, see, this, uh, this is, the, is this why the you just don't do it this way. Th- this is the pro- I like the co- the way college football does it, even though it's a little weird. Because yes, you get that issue, but then the other thing is because in a realistic sense, you'd love it to be okay, rushing play yards and running play yards, where you put scrambles as part of like passing yards or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or I don't I don't know how you. Like for team stats, they count but as then passing how yards. You... Individually, they count as rushing yards. But then there's so many RPOs that it doesn't matter yeah. at this point. Because what's an RPO? It's both. Yeah. Porque no los dos. Yeah. You can't really designate something a rushing play or a passing play at this point. Cause... Yeah. 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 It's just, it is what it is. Uh, last one. Alex said in the chat, over under 22 and a half um, USC points in the second half. You took the over. I took the under. 53% of the Rotbots took the over. It was over at 24. Again, another great line. Right there. It was right there. And I got it this one. I got like. You did. Gives you, it gives you the week. You went four and three. I went three and four. Uh, another week you expand your lead. You're now up to 15 and 10 is your record and over under. I'm at 11 and 14. Not good. Not good. Got it. You got to sharpen up, man. No. You're starting off well. Maybe you'll be mm-hmm. like the Angels this year. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, weekly winners. Uh, big shout out to SC Rabbit, who went six and one in over unders this week. Great job. Uh, and there was a bunch of guys who went uh, five and two Jay Vandy, Scott Cox, Brian from the Heights, Alaska Trojan, uh, Rick from PV. Uh, a big Everton fan, YNWA, I assume. <laughs> uh, E.T. and Torrance, Matt from Rancho, Monterey Michelle, and Josh from uh, Buckeye Country. 
Good job, everybody. Yeah, five and two. That's a, yeah. that's a solid record for the week. Uh, the season leaders so far, it, we have a uh, number one and a number two before we get into our ties. The number one at 19 and six is Jay Fandy. Number two at 18 and seven is Callie Cat. Uh, and then tied for third place, we got LA Fred, Ryan from Arizona, and Tat Freak all at 17 and eight. Uh, and then at 16 and nine, the the ratio crew, TV ratio. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I got you. You got it? I got it, yeah. Uh, Matt from Rancho, Monterey Michelle, and Scott Cox. There's something about Monterey Michelle that I just love. It's good. It it's rolls. It's good. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah. I like it. What do you think of Monterey? Do you think of the Bay, the Cheese, or the, the Mexican City? I think of the Bay. Yeah, me too. Cool. Good time. <laughs> All right. Uh, predictions. Uh, Bill Connolly said USC 3326. Uh, Vegas had SC as 12 and a half point favorites when we when we did this uh, this rundown with an over under of 74. Uh, of course, you said SC 44, Fresno State 35. I said SC 41, Fresno State 24. Final score, of course, SC 45, uh, Fresno State 17. Genuinely shocked at that 17. Obviously, I was the 17 for looks the 45. Good. Well, genuinely here, shocked. Here's at the a 17. question for you The same game happens, literally the same game happens, but they score on the last play to make it 45 24. Does your opinion change at all? Um, uh, not particularly. I guess it depends. I, I, I think it's one of those things where it's like this reminds me of like when I'm playing Madden and forty five seventeen just feels so much better. Feels better, yes, feels absolutely. so much better. But if I knew, if I was like rationalizing, like they scored on a goal, realistically, line, it shouldn't affect your opinion. The, in the in the final seconds, they scored a garbage time touchdown. I it I, it doesn't really change the perception. It, it should. It should. My, but, my but the seventeen just looks good. Yes, the seventeen looks good, and I I do want to give the defense credit for getting that stop. I think it says something. Yeah, I, I thought uh, Lincoln Riley talked about it after the game that 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 was sort of his favorite moment of the game was was getting that stop there uh it reminded me of the oregon byu game uh because byu was going for a a drive at the end and i remember thinking like this is wild byu like more power to you just try to score the touchdown improve like these are valuable reps all those things great but like the crowd was like getting into it at, at Autzen, and i'm just like watching this thing like this has no bearing on the outcome of this game at all yeah and yet it's a cool little play and then the same thing happened in the SC game. Yeah. So uh, college football. You got to like it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right, let's get into the mailbag. We got a bunch of questions uh, from you guys uh, here in the chats uh, and then a bunch that have been uh, written in before. Uh, let's start with the YouTube comment we got from Monsoon. Uh, the Fresno defense had an awesome game plan to force Caleb Williams to check down on every drive. Uh, the run game was a huge factor. The awesome adjustment they did to make receivers or tight ends found spots in the zone defense last night. It was great, but it showed me that they can win games where the offense can have nine to 15 play drives and end in touchdowns. The defense made key stops on third down, which was my only prayer throughout third down success rate. And they're improving to on to Oregon state. We are SC and rate of Troy is five stars. There you go. 
give us give us those five stars and if you're on youtube <laughs> give us that give us that thumbs up like and subscribe yeah. um <laughs> i mean it's a good summation of the game yeah, yeah. like no i i agree with literally every point here um i i especially want to highlight the idea of the offense being able to carry out nine to 15 play drives when they need to i think that is a, a definitely a skill that you have to be able to have because things are not always going to go easy for you and when you get down to the goal line do you finish and this team has finished so i think that that's a a huge huge difference maker yeah, 100%. Uh, next one, we got a comment from uh, Sinke Malcolm who says, cool conversation, but Mr. Castillo needs to stop spreading Grinch propaganda that tries to claim he doesn't have talent to work with, didn't have time to bring in his guys, etc. Here are the facts. Grinch had five of his starting 11 defenders drafted and couldn't field the top defense, talking about last year at Oklahoma. Look at what others did with the same amount of draft picks. Uh, and then he put in a chart uh, talking about the, the number of players drafted. Georgia had eight guys drafted on defense last year and were first uh, in scoring defense. Uh, LSU, five guys drafted, were 71st. Uh, Cincinnati, six guys drafted and were fifth. Penn State, five guys drafted and were tied for sixth. Uh, Alabama, three dudes drafted and were 18th. And, of course, Oklahoma, five guys drafted and tied for 60th. Uh he also says Oklahoma was top five in players drafted. Three of the top five schools were in the playoff. Oh, oh, you missed the playoff. Three of the top five with the most defensive players had top 10 scoring defenses, even though the Sooners were 60th. And Oklahoma was tied for the third most defensive players drafted with five. The last five recruiting classes, Grinch was there from 2019 to 20, to 2021. OU was 8th, 9th, 4th, 13th, and 6th with an average recruiting class ranking of eighth. Four top 10 classes in the final five years. Five defenders was the most OU had uh, in had, had since 20, uh, 2005, 17 years ago. Uh, and another note, six of 11 defenders that weren't drafted includes guides like Pat Fields, who starts at Stanford, and underclassmen that weren't draft eligible. They are legit draft prospects, such as DJ Graham and Woody Washington, among others. Can we please stop bringing up Wazoo defensive lineman Hercules Mata'afa from the 2010s? He's not coming back to suit up, and Grinch hasn't done anything similar uh, with any undersized or low-rated guys since. Um, okay, couple of things. One, I don't think I'm spreading Grinch propaganda. I think Grinch is a good defensive coordinator. Um, do the stats kind of bear that out when he's been in an air raid system uh, in an air raid conference. No. And I think that SC has got to get better uh, now. And Oklahoma's had to get better before if they want to win a national championship. Absolutely. I think USC right now, and I want to talk about SC right now for all of this. It's been three games. It's been three games. <laughs> it's been three games. And so like we, from, from, yeah, you, you, you want to, you want to get on me for saying that, that, Grinch didn't have time to bring in his guys to Oklahoma. That's fine. Yeah, th that's fair. But he's at SC right now. And even with the transfer portal, the, 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 I think, I don't think it's, I'm speaking out of turn to say that SC's personnel as it is right now is not the personnel to compete for a national championship. And that's okay because it's year one under, under Lincoln Riley and it's year one under Alex Grinch and it's been three games. Like they're going to take time to gel on defense. And the other thing is 
the numbers are going to, are completely changing for, for what they are, right? Like Alex Grinch's numbers have been what they are. You, you look at, at Washington state 2017 is best season. The year we all talk about 25.8 points per game. They were 25.8 last year at, at OU. Um, and mind you, now we're in a, in a, in a time period where, uh, Scoring defenses are going higher and higher with points per game. And I know that uh, this comment was talking about rank, which is more important than the actual output. Absolutely. Um, but for, for, for me, it's, it's just, it's way too early to talk about Grinch. Like I, I think it's absolutely valid to say that maybe Grinch isn't the guy to win a national championship with, but it's like, you look at what he's done, his teams, the last four years, three of them were playoff snubs. One of them was a 13 and one playoff snub that won the big 10 and the, and the Rose bowl. Uh, the other one that made the playoff lost to the greatest college football offense in the history of man and gave up 63 points in which anyone would have given up 63 points to that team. At that time, they had Jordan Jefferson and Joe Burrow and Jamar chase. And like LSU was scoring 63 on the, the the 85 bears, right? Like, yeah, Grinch isn't perfect, but at this rate, I don't think there's any defensive coordinator that is perfect. No. Like like look at Aranda and 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 Brett Venables, the two guys who I think are the best defensive coordinators in college football. Obviously, they're head coaches now. They've been promoted on from that, but like even them uh in in recent seasons have given up a bunch of points because the game has changed. Yes. Um also, and again, I don't want to have to defend Alex Grinch because it's been three games and we don't know, like, we don't know what he's going to do at USC. It's too early to judge him. Let's see what he does. Like, you can write him off if you want to. I'm just not in the interest of writing him off when we have zero evidence of, of what an actual Alex Grinch defense will look like at USC. Yeah. I'd also like to point out that in 2018, the year before Alex Grinch was hired at, at Oklahoma, they were last in the Big 12, giving up 33.3 points per game. In 2019, he improved them to 27.5 points per 27.3 points per game. In 2020, they got better, 21.7 points per game. If you can hold anybody to 21.7 points per game in the Big 12, you're doing just fine. Yeah. If you can hold people to 25 points. Uh, well, especially when you have an offense like you do that goes what, with it. Right? 25.8 points per game in, in, 2012, in 2021 in the Big 12. I think you're doing just fine. If, Again. If you had an offense that sat on the ball and, and like controlled time of possession, those numbers would be lower. Yes. So I am willing to see what Alex Grinch can do. The one thing I can tell you with complete certainty is that Alex Grinch is better than the last two defensive coordinators that USC has had. So... Let's give him time. Let's see what he does. I already, I'm already saying straight up, USC's playoff window is not this year. No, Probably not even not. like next year. It might be on the strength of that offense alone. But like, if you want to talk about USC competing for playoffs against the likes of Georgia and Alabama, we're talking three, four, five years down the line because you're not going to compete with those teams until it's, you load up with five star linemen. And yeah. and and that's just the 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 fact of it. So, um, I don't know. I'm I'm willing to just give time. Let's just. The offense is so much fun. Let's just be patient with everything else. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I I agree. Um, all right, let's go to the questions we got from YouTube. There's a bunch of them. Let's 
funnel over here. Uh, Cameron from uh, Frisco, Texas. Uh, how worried should I be about the left tackle position against Oregon State? Congrats on your alma mater's first win of the season, at least. Yeah, big win over Cal. I'm I'm that. big mad about that because I wrote on Friday night about the three upsets that I wanted to that would be the funniest thing to see on Saturday. And Nebraska let me down, and then Cal got screwed by that phantom offsides, Safe, and then self-hating Domer. Wow. I, and then, uh, and then UTSA couldn't pull it off against Texas. So I was zero for three on those upsets that I wanted to see, and Cal is part of that. So yeah, uh, to go to the left but, tackle stuff, um, I don't, I, I don't know. Lincoln Riley in the post game said that Bobby Haskins could have continued playing the game and wasn't worried about it. Um, he also sort of made it sound like. Like uh, guys are could be coming back, and that they held guys out as a precaution that they could be coming back. Those were it's kind of like what he was saying. We're not going to get an uh, an injury updates. Uh, we got a question from Jose that's in here that says, "Do you have injury report on Romello Height, Cortland Ford, and Bobby Haskins?" There will be no injury updates. So, like, unless Lincoln Riley wants to give them, and I I don't expect him to give one in what is going to be the biggest game of the season thus far. And yeah. mind you, the Utah game in a few weeks will be even bigger, et cetera. But like, I don't, I would, wouldn't expect a, an injury update there, but uh, Lincoln Riley did say that Haskins could have finished the game, um, which is, I think somewhat good news. I think the other thing is you looked in, look at the second half and I think the offensive line was able to play very good in the second half because of all the holes that they punched through, uh, in the run game, it's easy to say that when the when the run game produces, but they produced in the second half, and that was after halftime when you knew that they were going to have the issues at, at left tackle. Yeah, I, I think that my concern about the left tackle situation could be twofold. One, if USC is just trying to hide the fact that they, they might be without Cortland Ford or, or Bobby Haskins, um, that would certainly be a concern, I think, uh, because you don't really have a replacement left tackle. That means you have to shuffle around the line, I think. I don't think you can go into Oregon State and start Mason Murphy at left tackle. I think you have to slide Andrew Voorhees over or slide Jonah Monheim over. Whatever is least disruptive to your offensive line, you still have to do it, though. So you're going to have to disrupt your offensive line if that's the case. And that would be a concern just because we've seen this offensive line as aligned with the other four do very well. So that's one concern. Number two concern would be USC isn't sure about what's going to go on with Bobby Haskins or Cortland Ford. They hope that they can get them back and then you get to Oregon State and either you don't get them back or they go down injured immediately because they were rushed back too quickly. And then you're in a position where you didn't prepare for the for the situation of do we have to shuffle the line? Do we have to throw Mason Murphy back in there? Do we have to do that whole thing? So there's a lot of fluidity here that I think could be a concern. Mm-hmm. But without knowing what's going to happen this week as far as practice goes, without knowing uh, what Lincoln Riley knows as far as the the timetable or sort of um, potential return of those guys, it's really hard for us to say. TLDR, if you have left tackle problems, I feel bad for you, son. <laughs> I don't want them. The, the, the good news is the you talk about flexibility. Well, look at those guys on the line that you mentioned, Voorhees, Dietrich. Those are guys with experience playing left tackle or playing tackle of some sort. We know that Voorhees played a, a bunch of right tackle before, right? Like, mm-hmm. And he's played left tackle in practice before, and Dietrich has, has gotten time there too. So like, 
I think that flexibility is a good thing to have there. Um, if you needed to really make changes, but obviously you'd like to keep your four dudes as they are and hope that you can get something out of Haskins or Ford uh, on Saturday. So that'll yeah. be uh, something to uh, to look forward to uh, if we get an answer there. Uh, SJ says, what is more surprising to you, the improved running game or the play of the O-line? The improved running game. I, I have been championing this offensive line for since last year. I think Clay McGuire did a really good and underrated job with them. I think it got lost in how miserable last season was, but the offensive line did a solid job throughout the year. They were not the problem. Um, and I think we saw that in the moment, but it really has come to light here with this group looking so solid um, and just continuing on and improving from last year, which is really good to see. I just didn't think that the run game in general would be transformed this much. And I know that, like, I think, Michael, you you could probably sit here and say, like, you should have known because Lincoln Riley is much better at running the ball and USC got the running backs that they did. I just didn't think that it would be this much of an improvement. So that's definitely where I'm more surprised. Yeah, the O-line took a big step forward last year. And I think that um, that, I think, gave me hope for the offensive line. And uh, the running game, I mean, I expected to be better, especially with the guy, the quality of transfers that they brought in and Diane Jones. Uh, plus my faith in uh, Lincoln Rally to run effectively because we've seen it before. Um, so, yeah, I'd say the running backs, but still the, the O-line, I think benefiting from them last year was uh, was kind of a precursor to a lot of this. Uh, Guy says, uh, what about Solomon Bird? Yeah, what about Solomon Bird? He's been really good. Last two games, I think the most interesting thing is he did not play against Rice. Well, he played five game, uh, five snaps, literally. In the post game, I thought it was fascinating that Lincoln Riley asked him uh, if he played, and he's like, "Yeah, five snaps." And Lincoln Riley used that as like an example of like, "Hey, he's someone who is buried on the depth chart and looked like he wasn't going to do anything, and he fought through this." And that's a great example to have on this team because there's other guys who want an opportunity, right? Like on both sides of the ball that we get questions all the time. Where's Kyle Ford? Where's Gary Bryant jr. Where is insert name here, right? Like there's guys who are on the depth chart that maybe aren't, you know, Taj Washington, who's not getting first team reps right now. And all those, those things, right? Like, or maybe, maybe just not targets, right? Look at, look at the linebackers, Ray John Davis, yeah. uh, Julian Simon, guys that we want to see get opportunities like Solomon bird is, is proving that it can happen. Mm -hmm. It can absolutely happen. Yes. And uh, he's been great. I thought it was uh, really, I thought his comments after the game were great because he talked about how he was uh, a two year starter at Wyoming and was really damn good at Wyoming. And so he wasn't happy that he got here and only played for five plays against rice. Mm -hmm. And he took that personally and as he should. And I love that. And and he bounced back and has been, arguably, if it wasn't for Tuli Tui Pelotu, he'd be USC's best defensive player the last two weeks. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh just got to say, Bird is a good name at USC. It is. Sonny Bird. Sonny Bird. Dominique Bird. Like, good last name. C carry mm -hmm. on that legacy, man. I love it. Yeah. Carry on that wayward bird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Poncho Cam, why does it feel like the defense is bad, but our D stats are good and we only give up 19 points per game? It is called the glorious 
thing called turnovers yes and drives right it's it's the you know what it is it's the inverse of usc's offense under graham harrell usc's offense under graham harrell you watched it and you're like i they just offense doesn't feel like they're doing anything and you would look at the stats and they're like you know otherworldly at times the the efficiency and a lot of the numbers were was high and you're like how are they gaining all these yards but they weren't finishing off drives. And when you don't finish off drives, uh, it doesn't matter how many yards you gained. It doesn't matter all those other things. And because finishing off drives is what affects things like points and what affects things like red zone percentages and all that stuff. And if you get off the field on third down and fourth down and uh, grab your beads down, all those downs, you're going to end up, uh, you know, having a situation where you end up looking better than, than maybe you were. Like we talked about that last play of the game, it looks a hell of a lot better than gave up only 17 points versus 24. So this is where stats are always to be consumed in context, right? hundred percent. Yeah. Because USC has given up the second most red zone attempts in the PAC 12 this year. They've given up 13 uh, Colorado has only given up more. They have given up 14. The difference between USC and the rest of the defenses that are sort of in their ilk around that is USC has allowed a score on 53.85% of their red zone trips as a defense, where teams like Colorado and Arizona have given up 84.62 and 85.71. Yeah. Now, if I told you that USC has allowed scores on 53.85% of a drive, while Utah has allowed scores on 100% of the red zone trips that they've allowed, you might think that USC's defense is better than Utah's. What's the difference? USC has allowed 13 trips in the red zone. Utah has allowed four. So defenses are not all created equally and different defenses are going to do things mm-hmm. and get to the get to different results in different ways. Would you rather have a defense that only gives up four red zone attempts? I'm going to guess that even though they gave up scores in each of those, you, you would look at it and say you would rather have fewer of those red zone attempts than the 13 that USC has allowed. But if you're going to give up red zone attempts, if you have a good score percentages percentage, you're going to come out okay. Yeah. So you're playing with fire a little bit more, but you can still come out okay. Now, why does it feel like the defense is bad? Because they are being gashed. And I think it's fair to look at this defense and say they're being gashed, and while they've gotten away with it slash gotten themselves out of it against the likes of Rice and Stanford and, and Fresno State, not everyone is going to be able to be put in a position where they're going to make mistakes to bail out a defense that's like this. Eventually you will get burned if you play with fire. That's why USC's defense looks bad because everyone's just bracing for the moment when the fire is going to burn them. And I'm pretty confident that it will happen. It it will happen eventually. And the offense is going to have to make up for it. Um, The reason why I'm not ready to like roast Alex Grinch over a spit is because if you're going to give up, yards make those opposing offenses look like USC's offense from last year or the year before. If I will give opposing opposing offenses as many empty calories as they want, so long as you continue to fight and not give up and force them to to uh, earn every single inch that they get. 
And I think that's what this defense has done. So I think you can credit the defense while also acknowledging this defense is playing with fire. They're going to get burned eventually. But for what they are, I think they're they're working with what they have. Your eyes just went real wide. Okay, so I'm, I'm looking at some stats. Uh, I'm a big fan of Brian Fremo's stats. Um, things like available yards. I talk about available yards um, every now and then. So looked at the this is through two weeks though just through two weeks because they haven't updated them for through the th- three weeks um sc's offense seventh through two weeks in gaining available yards they gained 75.9 percent of the available yards what are available yards michael i don't know what that is if you start a drive at the 25 you have 75 yards that you can gain right so if you go on a 75-yard touchdown drive, you've gained 100% of your yards. If you go on a 50-yard drive and settle for a 20 or a field goal, a 42-yard field goal from the 25-yard line, then you only gained two-thirds of your yards. You gained 50 of the 75. Got it? hmm So SC, because of the second half against Stanford, which drops the numbers down, uh, seventh in the country through the first two weeks, at 75.9% of their available yards, Georgia through two weeks, hundred, like literally 100%, gained every single available yard. That's insane. insane. That, that's why the eyes popped out. Yeah. But so you look <laughs> defensively, and this is where USC struggles, is in available yards, ST is dominating these, these games, right? Because it's, we looked at those first three drives of the Fresno State game, 100% available yards, three touchdown drives. They went all the way down, and they kept driving and driving and driving. Well, USC's defense uh, through two games, mind you, this is just through two games that hasn't updated to week three, was 87th in the country, giving up 51.9% of their available yards. That's why it feels like the defense is bad because they're giving up so much yardage. They're giving up, they're getting gashed. They're giving up the run. Um, I I think the interesting thing too is Against Stanford, they allowed a, a gadget play to work, which is those slow mesh plays. Mm-hmm. They show that they're susceptible to that. It'd be interesting to see if teams do that going forward. Oregon State, Utah, I don't know. But if I'm them, I do it, right? Force SC to stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we'll see we'll see if that becomes a storyline going forward. Uh all right, let's uh we're we're at well over an hour at this point. So we're gonna rapid fire the rest of these. Uh, Ronan says, does USC look like a playoff caliber team now? What, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean a playoff caliber team as in a team that can legitimately compete for national championship? No. Do you mean a team that can make the playoff because to make the playoff, you basically have to be a conference champion. I think, yes. I think those are two different things. Yeah. I I would just say if we're saying playoff caliber, that would mean to me that a, a team that looks like they belong in the playoff. I don't think so. The defense needs to be significantly better for me to say that. Yeah, I think they're literally a playoff contender. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they could easily get into the playoff when you look at the schedule that's remaining. If you make it through Oregon State, then you really just got to make it through Utah. If you make it through Utah, I'm more confident that you can make it through UCLA. And if you make it through UCLA, I think you make it to the Pac-12 title game. And then it's just a question of, can your defense contend with, like, if it's Washington that offense yeah. looks pretty dangerous. If it's Oregon, we know what Oregon can do. So, but the the steps to get there are are becoming less and less steep every week to me, and that is, certainly opens the door. D- 
does that mean that you're going to get to the playoff and not get absolutely murdered the way that Georgia murdered Oregon? No, you're going to get murdered the way that Georgia or murdered Oregon. So are you really playoff caliber at that point? Is anyone playoff caliber at that point is the, the then the, the question we need to be talking about. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. Tim's question. I think we agree USC is in a playoff team this year. What's your way to I way too early ideal bowl game matchup? It has to be Oklahoma, but also no, really I don't want, want that. Like it would be so annoying. I All the narrative would be annoying. I right? can't. I can't do a month, Michael. We're talking about a month of that. I know. We're talking about a month of that, and then if USC loses, we're talking about another month on the other end. I can't. I know. I know. my no. I don't want it. I don't even. I the 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 forcing them to eat crow thing would be so much fun. I don't even want the possibility of, ha- of being able to experience that joy in my life because I do not want to deal with a month of lead up to a USC Oklahoma bowl <laughs> game. Please, God, no. Um, USC versus, I don't know, USC in like the, what, what are the non-playoff, games this year i so i'm pulling festival would be fun yeah festival against like i don't know texas that would be fun i i'm i'm struggling i to look up where the semifinals are this year yeah what 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 are the what are the semifinals this year it's the 2022 23 it's the uh the Peach Bowl and the rose and the fiesta bowl which means the rose bowl i say could go to the rose Bowl. oh yeah then rose bowl against michigan i don't know that 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 SC's offense against their defense sign me up. Yeah. yeah. Alex says, so what's your opinion going to be if they make the pl- playoffs and win one? I don't know. Shock. I think I, I think we'll. I, I think there will be plenty of uh, rave reviews at that point. If USC made it to the playoffs and won one, then Lincoln Riley can have my firstborn child and the keys to my car and. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I will hear no bad things about Lincoln Riley or Alex Grinch at that point. Yeah. Uh, Josh says, do you see uh, during the game, the Reggie Bush commercials hinting at something? Are you talking about the Wendy's commercials? I love the, the Wendy's, Wendy's commercials. Commercial are awesome. He gets the award back and almost drops the Heisman. Reggie blues. is so charismatic and good in those. Yeah. I, I, I love those commercials yeah. just as much as I love the Fansville commercials. Great. Yes. Um, Next question comes from Leonard. What are your top four Pac-12 schools this year? I I don't think it's difficult, it's right? USC, Washington, Oregon, and Utah. Yes. And, oh, hmm. okay, maybe not. Who do you put in there? You can't put UCLA. No. I, I, I want to put Oregon State in there. Oh. I don't know. Okay, that, that's difficult. There's yeah. six. I think I think Oregon State and Washington State are are – Washington State less so, but more so Oregon State. I think absolutely. Um, yeah, that's 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 difficult. Uh, Scott says he's disappointed he didn't finish the rest of the the rap earlier. If you're having left tackle problems, I feel bad for you, son. I've got ninety nine worries, and the left tackle is one. And the line ain't one. No, but the left but the left tackle is one. Like I, I oh. that's why I stop. That's oh, why I, 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 I bailed out of the rap because it was like I can't say that it's not a worry. Oh. Fair enough. Uh, Randy says, uh, "Why do you think USC's rush defense is so much better on the goal line uh, than the middle of the field?" I, I think the spacing probably. Yeah, it's all about I, spacing. I would, I would guess. Yeah, just less room to. Uh, 
to work with. And that that's why that's why red zone offense is so important because it's the level of difficulty is so much higher. The defense has less room to cover, which means they have more bodies they could they can blanket every bit of the field. Yeah. Uh Josh says knowing that Florida's mortal quarterback took it to Utah, giving them a hard time. Do you think Caleb knowing uh this is looking ahead to Utah? I don't think Caleb in hearing everything that Caleb Williams has talked about, I don't think he's looking ahead in the slightest. But what I'll say is, though, I think having a running quarterback helps you at literally every stage. Caleb played in the Red River Showdown. Like he has been in difficult environments in his career. Um, I think he's going to be looking forward to Utah for a lot of reasons. But I think that everyone is going to have trouble with his running ability, not just Utah. Like that's the hard thing to, is running quarterbacks make life difficult for everyone's defense. Yeah. Steven says, who's the first coach to leave the regime if a head coaching opportunity presents itself? Grinch is the one that's getting a lot of run right now. He uh, got mentioned for Nebraska name, and yeah. ASU. So he he's the one with the brand, I think. Yeah. Right. I think, I think he's the one right now with, with the brand. Yeah. Uh, last two questions, a little off topic. First one. Josh says, my wife doesn't think that that penguin behind Alicia has been on the table in the back. It's been there. Am I right? Okay. It was there on Saturday for the car cast, but not before that. That 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 penguin right next to the USC over my shoulder that way. Uh, that was um, only recently pulled out of... You know, we talk about how we like we moved into this apartment two weeks, two weeks ago, not to I mean, a year and a half ago, and we still had boxes that were unpacked. Um, yeah, I just unpacked one of the boxes that had that penguin in it. So it got added to the group. There's also God, to the left of me that you guys can't see. Don't tell her, but it's, it's great. Uh, to the left of me in, in that box as well is uh, I have several penguin ornaments um Wait, and hold on are we doing a thing where we're gonna show and tell stuff we're gonna show and tell show. stuff no it's just this is the one i could reach there's another one i have a penguin that when you press the button it starts to move and do a dance and it and it and it does, sings the fireball song um that makes me laugh and giggle every time uh so the the i, I that was also i'm all ready for christmas is what i'm saying like I'm, these are all right here ready for when we put up a christmas tree maybe we'll put up our christmas tree in here so you all can see it when we when we do that, like, and I'll have my all my penguin stuff on there as well. Yeah, uh, my uh, my show and tell for this week is uh, ooh, beaver nuggets, beaver nuggets from Bucky's, baby. Oh yeah, yeah. highly recommend. All right, last question, SJ. Will we ever hear off-topic banter that made your podcast so unique and endearing? How will the YouTube world? Learned of Michael's terrible food takes and his self-reclaimed super tasting power. It's not self-reclaimed. It's verified. Thank you very much. Okay. First of all, all right, since uh, we're at the end of the show. So if if you don't like off-topic stuff, thank you for watching. We'll be back Wednesday. But let's talk about off-topic stuff really quick. Hold on. Before we go off-topic, can I just highlight a comment from uh, Eddie in the chat? who has raising their hand emojis and then says the reason the D is good in the red zone is because USC has a seven foot angry giraffe at middle linebacker. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's the best oh, way. To... That's beautiful. Yes. Good. Well done. Yes. Well done. hundred percent. A best description of, uh, of Eric Gentry. Uh, okay. Off topic step. When we started the pod or when, when we became a, uh, uh, 
a duo on the pod seven years ago at this point. Seven years, it's been just the two of us. We got so much like negative feedback. So much. Talking about soccer, (laughs) talking about this, talking about that. And it's like things that like we weren't even really doing anymore, that things that happened at like previous iterations of the show. And it was very frustrating, but we got through it. And it, and all the stop talking about soccer stuff stopped because we stopped talking about soccer. Uh, and then we would make a point that if we did, we do off topic stuff at the end. So that way, you know, people who didn't like it didn't have to worry about it. Right. So then we started the whole YouTube thing. And there were several comments at the beginning. Like, first of all, when, when you a little inside baseball, when you create content here, on the internet, one of the fascinating things, well, when you, when you do have multimedia con like different types of things, right? One of the fascinating things is you will learn the different types of viewers and listeners and whatever your community that you have. We've learned this from men of Troy, that there are people who back when both of us wrote at rain there were people who knew our writing, but didn't know that we had a podcast or were on Twitter. Mm-hmm. There were people who knew us from Twitter but had no idea where we wrote or that we did podcasts. There were people who knew us from the podcast but had no clue that we did anything about like you write stuff. What? Yeah, like everyone sees you. Sometimes people see you in a silo and they they don't see you anywhere else. Right? It had been easy to forget that those things happened. So we get to YouTube and there, the first couple videos, there's like several comments. From people like, I tuned into this and they they didn't start. It said it was a preview podcast, but they didn't start talking about the game until the twenty second minute. <laughs> and it's like, like, yeah, yeah, because that's that's how the podcast works. Like yeah. that, that that's what we do. Like we it's start, not it's not like a YouTube video. Yeah, we it's, do an, we do an intro and then there's news, and then we start talking about the game. That's probably like 15, 20 minutes, and that that's how it works. Like that's how our are what we do works right and so there were like so many comments and like me as someone who both of us have like major um uh, posture syndrome right and we read the comments and we we take them personally probably maybe too personally sometimes not really um but the you know like i want to make sure that everyone's happy with the product that we're putting out there right and so like i'm like wow i guess we can't do that stuff on youtube like we can't do the off-topic stuff because if we do, like people are just going to tune out. Like I don't, I don't know how to do it. So, the long story short, if they're, we're going to do off-topic stuff, it's going to have to be at the end. Uh, and then B, I don't think that for the most part, like in the off-season, I don't think we're going to be putting up off-topic pods for the most part. Maybe we, that's something we can move over to, like Twitter Space or something like that. Maybe I don't yeah. know. Uh, we're not going to end up doing Rod on Got over, over um, Hot D House of the Dragon. I haven't even seen seen it yet, so like, I I know the reviews have been great. That so. would the the only thing that would be great is if we were doing Rod on Got, then I could be forced to keep up with episodes each week. But I cannot do weekly episodes for literally anything except for Big Brother, and even that I have trouble like keeping up with the episodes. So. Yeah, well, maybe maybe we'll do like a binge of House of the Dragon, then and then release like a 
Radon got like special at some point if if Michael decides he's going to watch it because um, I definitely oh, am. The, the first episode was outstanding and I've only heard good things since. So like there's that. But but yeah, it, it's many just times are you going to hit the mic. I know. Here? I'm sorry. It just it keeps it keeps like falling. It it it's not. I don't know. I I, I need a new. I'm the sound thing. czar. I gotta I gotta be I you know, know worried about this. On the other side, uh, while unpacking the boxes that I was unpacking when I was being productive last week, I found some of our other podcast arms. So maybe I just need to swap out my arms so that it doesn't uh, keep sort of turning so that it's away. But okay, last thing before we wrap up, Jack Plus in the in the in the chat says cold weather talk was fun. I. For the life of me, I, I don't remember what that was a reference to. But what I will say, on the honeymoon, we we went on a cruise, Alaskan cruise. It stopped in Prince Rupert, Canada, oh my gosh. BC. <laughs> we had just spent the day, be- like two days before, in um in, in Skagway, like, in like Glacier Bay, right? Yeah. And, like we are just completely bundled up and like so cold, and we we. We each have like three shirts on, a hoodie and a and a jacket and a raincoat on top of that because we had done whale watching and stuff days before in Juneau and all this. We get like to- every stop that we made in Alaska, we added more layers the next time we exited the ship because we had gotten sort of used to it's colder than we think it is. So we need to bundle. And yes. by the time we got to Prince Rupert. Good time we get to Prince Rupert. We're the first cruise ship that like has ever stopped there. It's weird. Yeah. So we get in there and we get to, we see this bar. We walk in, and I expect that like half the ship is going to be at this little it's, podunk it's, bar. It's this like, but it's like this marina side bar, and it sort of had a name that made me think like this is the tourist trap in the place. And yeah, uh, personally, I love tourist. I love really good. tourist trap kind of places because I'm comfortable and I know that I'm. I, I sort of know what to expect. I'm going to get cheated out of my money, but I'm. They're going to do it to me in a way that's comfortable for a tourist. I can live with it. It was not a tourist trap. It was a very locals it bar. It was nothing but locals. And uh, we, we walk in. First of all, we're in British Columbia, right? Like, I'm not expecting to hear like your stereotypical Canadian like bit, right? And we walk in, and the guy looks at, "Oh, are you up in the north there, eh? You co- coming back from the Arctic, eh? You coming back from the Arctic?" <laughs> as we're because, as we're disrobing, pulling off our layers. I'm like looking at this guy, st- a half stunned, because like again, I we're in British Columbia. We're not in like the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan. Like like where is his accent coming from? Like we're we're not in Thompson, Manitoba. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I like. I, uh, to me, it was like walking into an episode of Letter Kenny and just yes. being like, no, these people exist. It was great. And it was so Canadian, too, because they were very nice, like overly friendly, almost like yes. Michael and I are introverts. We're like socially awkward people. Like it would have been easier if they weren't so friendly because they just kept wanting to talk to us and talk to us. And it's like they're like these fishermen who are like we're talking to them about like the glaciers and, and everything that we're seeing. And like the bar was great. The beer was great the well cider for me the food was great like everything about the experience was, was great but it was also the most bizarre experience of like you could not write more stereotypically sounding canadians to the point where i was like i didn't realize that like the stereotypes were this real and 
<laughs> it was just it was a whole it was great thing it was a whole thing and we were shout out to and it was wonderful yes and the poutine was absolutely outstanding <laughs> shout out to breakers in prince rupert really a genuinely good experience but also like one of those awkward experiences in my life because i was just not i'm like sitting there i'm trying to watch the liverpool game on my phone because i was like hoping if we went to a bar there might be TVs that might have it. They didn't They didn't have it. So like I'm watching it on my phone and just like the whole time I'm watching it, I just hear them having like this conversation next to us. That's like, they're like talking about people across the bar. Like, Oh, Hey Johnny. And uh, Larry, people are Larry's walk- back over there today. Eh? Yeah. Like people are walking to the bar and they're like coming over and like sitting down and having conversations with them and go, Oh, I got to go back to the missus over there. It's like the whole, it was just like I, it was distracting. It was distractingly like just it was it was, but it was like in was a really great. good way. I, I, I loved it. It's definitely a story. I, uh, I I loved it just because it was so unexpected. I'm like, that, it, just, that's, it can't be stereotypical. Like that, that doesn't. It? That's no. only in the movies. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. shout out to Canada, man. It was it was, <laughs> and shout out to Alaska. Beautiful, beautiful place. We're glad that we went. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely not, definitely not. Uh, yeah, not the, the experience we were right. expecting. Fin- final little shout outs here. Uh, Jag Plus says the Colorado Notre Dame trips about us talking about cold weather. Yeah, uh, we're, we're glad. Benefits of us doing live pod uh, car cast where we don't have to travel anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get to avoid those, especially big Big Ten season coming oh, yeah. up. Uh, Cali Cat says. I uh, was just reminding uh, Callie Matt about the episode where you did the English game show that you two were into a while back. Only Connect. They're, they're, oh, still into, by the way. Yes, they're, they're back for an 18th season. Sorry, 18th series. Series, yes. The 18th series of Only Connect. Uh, well, go watch it on YouTube. It's great. Uh, and yeah, shout out for all you guys, um, everyone in the chat. It's been, uh, it's been an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, yeah. All right. Well, we, we will wrap up there. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back Wednesday to preview USC at Oregon State. Uh, until then, see ya. See ya. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.